I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Welcome to my vagina. This is Jesse Karen. And this is Rebecca Frank. And here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, and infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. I'll cut it a bit about the spot, but probably research is getting fools. It's definitely researched. Beep, beep, boop. Hi, friends. On this week's episode, we begin by having a conversation with Miriam Wasband, a dancer and creator here in New York City, who is putting on an incredible show called Your Faithful Reader that will be taking place at Triskillian Arts in Williamsburg on October 10th, 11th, and 12th. And then we move on to a discussion of cancel culture and censorship. So strap in and enjoy. Yeah, tell us about it. It's really exciting. Well, it's a show that's been devised from a collection of letters that was that were written um, by folks in my artist community. So writers, dancers, actors, um, people who just kind of have a general creative spirit and like were up to the task. And they were sent um, after... Uh, agreeing to take on the mission of writing a letter and mailing it to me. So Mm -hmm. really having the act of mailing it to to me be part of the process. Um, They were sent a list of 70 writing prompts that they could pick anything from and they could warp in any way they needed to as long as it basically started dear Mm so-and-so or like dear um, mom, dear dad, dear um, long lost love, Dear gun violence, dear whatever they jumped with. So people started sending me letters, and it was really awesome because they, how many, how often can you say that you go to your mailbox and you like legitimately get handwritten letters that are full of stories? So it was like a really magical process on my side. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we started casting the show and building um, off of the letters. That are essentially being done as monologues or dialogues, Mm -hmm. um, but are being layered with dance and 
other because little sneaky things. information is that Miriam is a fantastic dancer. True. What can you see through a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> with like the most beautiful toe point that I am forever jealous of. <laughs> That's, that's what gets me in the door sometimes. Slide the feet right Excuse in the me, door. my feet are down here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Eyes down here, buddy. Eyes down here. <laughs> Lower. Lower. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Way south, my friend. Um, yeah, I, this is awesome. I feel like it's super therapeutic for people to do in general. I used to journal a lot and then I stopped and then... I noticed that like one of my friends passed away and in my journal, instead of writing for me or for anyone else, I would just write letters to him because mm-hmm. um, he wasn't that he wasn't there to talk to anymore. So it was like really nice to be like, hey, here's what's happening. Here's how I miss you. Writing for somebody else brought more out of me. I think what's been interesting about this, and I think that's true for a lot yeah. of the writers and people who submitted and honestly, a lot of the performers too, because um, I have a collection. Everyone in the room is like, incredibly talented has a lot of skill and training behind them there are some people who have felt really kind of disenfranchised from like the performance industry and really didn't think they were going to perform again or like didn't know exactly where their place was um in performing and making work Mm -hmm. um and weirdly enough it was like all people needed was like the permission Mm -hmm. to to answer this call and like who am I to give anybody the permission to do anything? But it's just that that simple thing of like the the sand that in the shell that gets yeah. it going, you know? Yeah. So there's a GoFundMe page. Um, you can go to GoFundMe and look for your faithful reader, or you could go to yourfaithfulreader.com, and there's a link to the page there, mm-hmm. as well as the Instagram, mm-hmm. also your faithful reader, which right now is uh, there's a. Um, headshots of all of the participants and there will be videos and uh, little sneak peeks mm-hmm. yeah. and then anyone who's in the New York City area you should buy tickets when's the show the show is October 10th 11th and 12th in Williamsburg at a theater called Triskelion Arts and it's a beautiful space it's a really nice part of town it's gonna yeah. be a nice evening. Yeah, come. You can yeah. also see all of us in the flesh. Yeah. Which is really exciting. It sounded yeah. so dirty. <laughs> faces behind your voices. <laughs> yep. 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 Sweet. Yeah. Buy, Thank you. Buy some yeah. tickets. Buy tickets. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Thanks for yeah. coming. And go to the GoFundMe. Oh, yeah. and go to the GoFundMe. Yeah, go to the GoFundMe. And then buy tickets. Yeah, do it all. <laughs> Give us all your money. All your money. It's um, a good cause. Help it is. people make art. Yeah. When you create something, there's a reason why you're creating. If you're creating from what your soul is calling to, the need to, to tell that story, to write that piece, to act that role, somewhere someone is meant to receive that. So today we're going to talk about cancel culture and censorship and like what's going on in our society and how we feel about it. And we haven't said this in a while, but we understand that we are two cisgender white women um, and that our experience is not everyone's experience. If we get things wrong, please tell us. We're opening this conversation as uh, sort of what our experiences are and and what where we're nervous about expressing ourselves in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that our experience is the worst uh, because a lot of people have an even harder time than we do. But um, we just want to talk about how unsafe we yeah. feel. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we right. feel unsafe and and you know, I think watching everything in the community or I'm sorry, watching everything in our cancel culture currently is really scaring us um as you know, as podcasters, as people on social media, um that being said, we know that marginalized people have it way worse, so I can't, we can't even imagine what that what that is. Um but I feel like everyone's kind of feeling the same thing and the feel the same pressure of saying the wrong thing and uh, over editing um, for fear that the community and our society will just walk away from them. Yeah. Um, and I want to just say, because we've had this come up on Instagram a little bit where we've shared things uh, and people have said that we are excluding the Jewish experience. Um, I live the Jewish experience. And um, which brings me to the point that I've read these I read this thing the other day. There was actually an article in the Times, which I'll put in the episode notes. It's super chilling. It was really hard to get through. And it was about this woman whose husband uh, is an orth- is they're an Orthodox couple. I believe he's a rabbi. And people were basically took his photo and made fake, um, made fake profiles of him in order to try and start infighting within the Jewish community, which has a really, really strong uh, history of people basically accusing us of being disloyal and of caring about other Jews more than we care about anybody else. And Mm -hmm. so basically trying to get us to take care of ourselves. This goes all the way back, like hundreds and hundreds of years. And this idea that, um, and this is one of the things, it's a quote of this that came up that um, Jews are essentially shapeshifters, that we are able to pass as white at times, and but then we can claim our otherness when it's convenient. Um, if they're going to call you shapeshifters, can it be into something cool? Right. And mm-hmm. so like, I just want to acknowledge, first of all, that um, there are Jews who identify as white and there are Jews who do not identify as white. Mm-hmm. There are non-white Jewish people. There are uh, different communities and there is literally nothing convenient about being Jewish, yeah. not in this climate right now. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there yeah. also as like, it's a weird experience for me to be like, yeah, I'm a privileged white woman, but also I'm a, mar- mar- a member of a marginalized community. Right. And who's being attacked right now in a really big way. Yeah. And and because my community can sometimes pass as white, our concerns are not taken as seriously. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you all that we are the canaries in the mine shaft. Mm-hmm. You know, when people come for us, they come for everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah that's the thing everyone forgets. You're next. Yeah. So it's it's, true. it's a really, really scary time. Um, so we want to just kind of talk about that as, as people with uh, big opinions covering sometimes controversial topics Mm -hmm. yeah um all right so cancel culture for anybody who doesn't know uh is it involves the public announcement of those perceived as racist sexist homophobic transphobic or perpetuate or perpetuating any other forms of bigotry um which you know calling people out is super necessary to call those things out Mm -hmm. um I think the pro- like the the problem with it is is it's kind of becoming a toxic online space that's not super conducive to learning. Yeah, and there's a difference between calling out Kanye West mm-hmm. where like when you're calling out a celebrity like you're that person is in a position um and especially these like very successful ones where a bunch of people I read this article um in News 1 by mm-hmm. Uh, a professor from Morehouse College. His name is David Dennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talked about how like, 
yeah, it's it's inconvenient for Kanye West, but when his shoes, when his next shoes come out, like people are going to buy them. Totally. Right? It's just a blip for him. Right. And it's it's different than, than Jesse saying something and me calling her out in a way mm-hmm. that makes her incapable of continuing on in the way that she was you know like yeah because I have no platform yeah and like the same thing you know with Louis CK like he was called out mm-hmm. rightfully so about his behavior and he can then, still get gigs right he can still get gigs and really it's up to him to make it up to us mm-hmm. to do the right thing but he doesn't have to right um so it's it's like where do we punch do we punch up or do we punch down right um it's also like I feel like it's such a privilege to like assume that people are just born woke right you know to not give anybody the the leeway to make a mistake and there are obviously like there are things that are just fucking wrong you know like harvey weinstein canceled yeah you know like no hand like hands down him and why do i keep forgetting his name because i don't care about him r kelly they're done what they did there that is a that is a non-gray area right but there are areas where people have said things or you know, said things in their past, which is what I think we're afraid of, um, that we said one thing and then it discounts everything that we've ever done. And then moving forward, we're just canceled from our society. Yeah. And and like I want everybody right now, just this quick exercise to take a moment and think about something that you've said in your life that you wish that you hadn't said, something that yeah. was un- unintentionally came across uh, racist or sexist mm-hmm. or uh, homophobic something that you've said that like god you would hate it you would hate it now if that was played back to you totally and you said intentionally and the thing is is like i know that i said lots of things when i was younger because i grew up in a very closed-minded house yeah and you didn't so know any better. i didn't know any better and you know when i look back at some of the things that i said that were um funneled down to me i i'm horrified yeah but you know i had to relearn that and we need to give space people space for that and yeah because you're not that person anymore I'm not that person and the thing is is like people a lot of people do want to learn Mm -hmm. and we can develop new ideologies over time yeah and to not like give people the space to shed old outdated information is irresponsible yeah and and like I think so much of this like we've heard a lot about how Um, polarized Mm -hmm. everybody is and you know how this country is kind of divided into like uh, Trump supporters and people who hate Trump and Trump supporters right and Mm -hmm. I think that it goes even beyond that because like even within the like you know the left-leaning community it's like you've got um, people who love Bernie people who hate Bernie and it becomes a really unsafe space for people who have and Andrew Yang I've read has his he's got a lot of supporters who make it an unsafe space for people who want to criticize the candidate. And it gets to the point where we're all weaponized Mm -hmm. with our opinions and with our ideas. And I'm totally guilty of doing this. Sometimes we're like, I literally can't hear what someone says about something because I have already so vociferously made up my mind about that. And that's not fair. Right. And I think we're in an environment where we're, we all have those things and we'll all always have those things that yeah. we're like, this is my belief yeah. and like I won't hear otherwise. But like I think we're having more and more and more of those Yeah, every day. Yeah. And I think we need to I'm, – I'm also guilty of that and I've, I've actually tried to work on it with some things. But I – yeah, like I – even if I don't agree with you, want to hear what you have to say. 
Um, unless you're instigating, because there is a difference between people who are like, you should just listen to my opinion, but they have no interest in your response. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we were brought to our attention this uh, blog um, by by your friend. Yeah, I'm sorry. So Chloe, who is one of our biggest fans. Hi, Chloe. Thank you. <laughs> um, she sent this to us um, and it's causing a stir in the embroidery world. It's uh, it's a fairly well followed embroidery artist um, that came out with a piece and what she calls a quote-unquote thesis. The written piece is all about her views on the definition of being a woman, which and the embroider, and the embroidery world is like kind of largely well, women probably. And, and also like really pissed off about this Oh, okay, um, yeah. because they basically call trans and non-binary. She basically calls trans and non-binary a mental illness. She's a TERF, which is a trans exclusion, exclusionary radical feminist. They are people who do not believe that trans pe- trans women are women. Right. Um, right. And, and what frustrates me is her whole thesis pretty much ends with her making herself the victim um, by saying, like, I don't care if you don't agree with me. I'm just trying to give you my intellectual um, thesis on what I believe and what my opinions are. Yeah, I'm just trying to justify my very dangerous homophobic rant. Yep. Um, because what this, it's, you know, it goes into this whole conversation about, like, which we've talked about, about separating the art from the artist mm-hmm. and um, whether we can enjoy the art of people who hold these sorts of beliefs. Right. And what do we do yeah. in these circumstances? Like, how do we hold these people to account? Yeah. Um, and, and as I told you, like, I had a conversation with somebody over the R. Kelly um, situation, and they asked me that very same question. And my response was, well, you know, he, what he said to me was, do we just, like, Picasso was apparently abusive to his female uh, counterparts does that mean we just like set his uh paint like uh his paintings ablaze um and Which I was like absurd it's ridiculous but I was like no but the difference is is R. Kelly is alive right now and who has done something entirely wrong and Picasso is somebody who is dead and he was like right but do we just like throw out his artwork and I was like no we don't throw out his artwork he obviously was a good artist you can't say that he wasn't, and right. it's part of our history. But what you do is that you maybe put it in a different part of the museum and write literature on what and who he was. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the thing is is when we talk about separating the art from the artist, art is so complex, mm-hmm. just like the artist is. And so someone can be talented and create beautiful work, mm-hmm. beautiful embroidery, and also be a fucking turf. Piece of shit, yeah. And and like we do need to give space for somebody like this woman to to we need to try to educate. We need to hope that they will become educated. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, maybe we don't buy her things. Yeah. You know, but we also make space for her to reform herself. Totally. Because what she's doing is she's She's claiming her status as a marginalized, a member of a marginalized community, being a woman, and then using the power that she has of being a cisgendered, I'm assuming white woman, to then she is. piss on less empowered people. Because yeah. the reality is... Cis, which she declines to she be. Declines she refuses the, to use that word. She refuses to use it. Um, she makes this ridiculous argument that um, trans women uh, are trying... are have the privilege of being seen as women without looking at the fact that like not only are they um marginalized now because they are 
they identify as women who are a marginalized community, but they're also further marginalized because of people like like this like woman this. who don't believe that they have the right to bodily autonomy and right. to live the way that they feel. Yeah, this affects an entire community. And like, I'm honestly super offended by how she got defensive at the end before anybody could actually mm-hmm. even form a retort. Yeah. Um, because you're suggesting that you're just putting your opinions out into the ether, but what you're actually doing is further marginalizing a group that's already really marginalized. Yeah, because this is not something that anybody, like the way that this was written and and the way that she says that her friends edited it for her, which is like, there's- How many like, of there are you? There's a lot, there are a lot of TERFs out there, everybody. Um, and it's not, she doesn't, she's decided- she put this out here and she's, she's not decided having a conversation. She's, she's decided. And which is funny because she's not a fucking scientist. She right. d- like, and I'm not discounting the importance of art and embroidery, but like this is a thesis on s- somebody who is not based in the medical field, not based in science. Like, wh- yeah, she just decided, she just decided what she thinks is more important and what she, and, and basically denied the truth of other people's li- lived experiences. Anybody can have an idea and write a fucking thesis. It doesn't make you an expert. And what you exactly. just did is throw like hate and spew out into the world. Yeah. And so, then be like, I didn't do that. I'm just forming an opinion. Right. And it's really interesting to me because put in the context of um, the knitting community, I know this is embroidery, but I would, I want to say that they are like, uh, sister fields mm-hmm. um there's this organ there's this uh site called ravelry it's basically like the um online it's so the site has eight million members and is one of the most influential online community communities dedicated to knitting and other yarn crafts so what this site did was enacted a policy that explicitly banned support of donald trump and his administration and content posted to the site mm-hmm. um, including project entries patterns forum posts and profiles um, and it's really interesting because uh this woman who wrote this article about it her name is Catherine shu mm-hmm. and she's talking about how taking a stance against racism is considered quote unquote being political. Mm-hmm. But like a white, like imagine if the Nazi party had been banned. Right. Imagine if the Nazi party had been unable to get their message out. There would be 11 million people, 11 million people. And like, and it, it's really interesting because I feel like in terms of censorship and how all of this is happening, people are so quick to defend the Trumps, the Stephen Millers, like all this kind of stuff. But they're not quick to allow space for people like honestly on the left to fuck up. Like I feel like it's so much, there's so much in our like quote unquote like progressive sphere mm-hmm. that really disallows mistakes. You know, like for there's so there's an example of this guy, um, Brother Nature. He's a 20 year old uh, Twitter personality, um, and he recently faced backlash for a racist tweet he sent when he was 12 years old. Also, you guys, Brother Nature is awesome. He's so fucking funny. This kid is so funny. He goes out into the world and just like makes videotapes of all these animals and he talks to them and he kind of dictates what they're doing and it is comic gold. right up my alley. He made a comment when he was 12 years old Mm -hmm. that I'm sure he forgot about and has grown as a human. But before he could apologize for his past statements, 
he had to make his Twitter account private because of all the attacks he was facing, which is like it it is important for people to take responsibility for their past actions, but call out culture does not give individuals any room to do that. It's incriminating evidence immediately equates a person to being canceled and any apologies offered are totally dismissed. But let's also talk about how so many of the times, because it is, as we said before, like we're not saying that like call out culture isn't useful at times when, when it's static, when it's focused on um, people that hold power or people that seem that doubled down on very, very dangerous beliefs. Totally. But A, who the fuck went through this? This guy puts out a lot of content. Who the fuck went through all of his shit to find something that he wrote when he was right. 12? Um, and also, But there's responsible calling out. Right. Because he's a member of a marginalized community. And a lot of times what this ends up doing is it silences already marginalized voices. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's almost hypocritical to me because the intended purpose is to call somebody out. And ideally, for, for me, the scariest thing is that like, I personally am terrified to say things now. Like I edit myself a lot more. And in a lot of ways, that's good because I'm, you know, considering other people's feelings. But in another way, it's terrible because I think we need to have room to make a mistake and then atone for it because that's how people learn. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's like not being able to ask questions in class for me. And so like... I think it's interesting that there's all these learning moments and obviously it's not our job to educate people, but it also kind of is like if you want to be in social justice and you want to call somebody out, the the option, the better option is to educate people because I'm sorry, like that's, it, again, it's not always your responsibility like at a bar to like emotionally like right. put yourself out there, but you can't be like diminish somebody and consider them unworthy because of something that they said once if they're willing to come back and be like holy shit I didn't understand that I'm so sorry yeah I mean I think like this this is a perfect example and I know sorry that my gymnastics enthusiasm is showing again but um following so after the 2016 Olympics when everything happened with Larry Nasser. Uh, starting in January of 2017 like when the trial was going on all this kind of stuff Ali Raisman had put out a tweet basically um, saying she's been very, very active in terms of talking about um, how uh, what women wear is not invitation. Mm-hmm. And Gabby Douglas, who's another Olympic gymnast on two Olympic teams with her, said something about like how people, but how women should dress classy in order to avoid getting assaulted. And everyone went fucking crazy, right? Which, yeah. and like, you know, people were calling her out and all this stuff. And it turns out, that she also had been abused by Larry Nasser, and she was coming to terms with her own stuff and she fucked up and she said something wrong. Yeah. And that should not make her less important, less valuable. And she, and she did apologize and we need to accept that apology and understand that Absolutely. in the heat of the moment, people have a different experience. They might not understand a nuance about something. They might not have had these conversations before and they say something wrong and we have to, we have to be able to be adult enough to be like, hey, yeah. listen, this is why that was wrong. Yeah. And we have to give them to the space to listen and be like, you know what? Like, you're right. Yeah. I just didn't see it that way. Totally. And we have to be able to, like, inform people because, like I said, like, I think it's a privilege to be a certain level of education and to under- to have that level of education and to have those gray areas because there are things that you just missed or don't understand. Right. But if you're willing to fucking listen, which I know can be really hard, even that, like, we have to learn to listen to other people. Yeah. That's a problem all humans fucking have. Yeah. 
Um, and it's gotten worse, I think. It's gotten way worse because everyone's just screaming and yelling. I get it. Everyone's mad. Like, we're mad. Everyone's mad. But. I had this really amazing experience recently um, where I was at work, and this kind of this ties into all of this. And, we, and I was having this conversation with this uh, gentleman mm-hmm. in his 60s. He's been teaching for a really, really long time. We were talking about gun violence, and yeah. I was uh, expressing how different my experience in high school yeah. was from what it is now and how scary it must be to be a teacher mm-hmm. um and we were talking about that and i was like how do you how do you deal with this so he was talking about how he speaks to his students and uh talking about how he ta- how he talks to the boys and he talks to the girls separately yeah. i mean he talks to them together but he also talks to them separately okay. um and he was talking about how he tells he tells the young women in his class that they need to be nice in the way that they reject boys who come on to them because maybe that maybe the way that they're rejected would make that boy into the next school shooter and I was like okay I listened to his whole thing and then I said to him I said listen um I think that you're doing really important work in terms of addressing this head-on however I'm it makes me really uncomfortable that you are essentially uh putting Again, making women women responsible for the behavior and actions of boys. And Mm -hmm. we had a whole conversation about it. He went outside and smoked a cigarette, came back in, and he said, thank you so much for taking the time. You gave me a lot to think about, and I need to rewrite my talk because I... Did, that did not occur to me. He's a he's a gay man in his 60s. Yeah. He's been surrounded mostly by men. He uh, hasn't had the time or opportunity to understand women's experiences. Yep. And when I took the time to not get upset and to not attack him and to say like, hey, listen, this is why that's problematic to me. And he, for his part, took the time to actually listen yeah. and allowed my words to impact the way that he thought. And he said, thank you so much for taking your time. I'm going to think about this and rewrite my speech because I do not want to do that. And I feel terrible that I've done it in the past. Mm-hmm. And I know that it doesn't always go that way. But like that's that's social justice. That's doing the work. That is social justice. So like you know? it's not necessarily our job to educate people. But on the other hand, it is. That is what social justice is. That is what activism is. And I think we lose a lot of opportunities to educate people who are willing to listen, especially within activist spaces yeah instead of like calling people out by insulting them and shaming them right you know we would do better to explain why what they said was hurtful or problematic especially online you know like I that's why I try to do that even like on Instagram like that's the hard thing is like when does it become hate and when does it become somebody who just doesn't understand right and like my response I always want my response to be diplomatic because I don't know, maybe they'll learn something. Yeah. You know, unless they're literally just spewing hate, right. then it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Then because there are people who don't want to learn. And like, I used to, tr- like on YouTube, on YouTube, I used to try once. Right. And then if they didn't, I would just be like, I'm, I'm done with you. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. There are people who are speaking out because they feel uh, afraid or they're um, improperly educated about certain issues. And then there are people who just want to get under your skin. Yeah. And like, those are not worth your time. Absolutely Those people not. are just instigators. Those are trolls. Fuck them. Yeah. But when we talk about people who say the wrong thing, um, a lot of times there is actually space. Or I would hope that there is space. Yeah. I'm really nervous about, like Jesse said earlier, just really nervous about saying the wrong thing once mm-hmm. and having it taken out of context of the body of work and have that one thing define me. Totally. And all of a sudden, I lose my ability to 
do the good work that I do because one time I said the wrong thing or someone interpreted it the wrong way or whatever it is. And even like own personal human growth. Like if Mm -hmm. we want the world to be a better place, then we have to give, we have to put the work in, you know, to ourselves, but also to help other people along the way. Yeah. We are going to take a brief break because we got sponsored. How cool is that? Welcome My Vagina is so excited to have our very first sponsor. Lola is a woman-run, woman-centered, environmentally and socially responsible company that offers a line of tampons, pads, liners, lube, and condoms. They don't have all the toxins that all the big brands have, and we are all about healthy vaginas, as you know. My girl doesn't like mystery fibers. I'm sure your girl doesn't like mystery fibers. It was the toxic tampon in the living room with the TSS. It's a bad joke from Clue, but I hope you appreciated it. But seriously, let me tell you how cool it is to have tampons and lube delivered straight to my door, neatly packaged. I don't have to go to the store. You can't see my face, but it is magical. We absolutely love Lola. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for 40% off of your first month subscription, please visit mylola.com and enter welcome when you subscribe. And we're back with the show. It's just, it's interesting too, because it's like a lot of it's just like, look how righteous I am. Do you see how righteous I am? Yeah. And we felt like leading into this that we need to be led by black women specifically Mm -hmm. in terms of the conversation about this, because as we've been talking about, there's going to be nuance that we lose because we've had a different experience. We've had a more privileged experience. Mm -hmm. Um, So this article is really awesome. (laughs) Yeah. One of the quotes that I really liked from it was, uh, I rarely questioned whether the way I addressed um, their white privilege was actually counterproductive. They barely understood what it meant to be white women in the system of white supremacy. Was it realistic to expect them to comprehend the experience of black women? I just really liked that because I thought, one of the biggest lessons I learned was to sit back and fucking listen mm-hmm. and know that even if I could never understand, you know, like I can never understand the experience of a black woman, but I want to do everything that I can to try. I remember talking to this dude one time about how um, I was telling him a sexual harassment experience and he was just like, oh, that's crazy. Uh, I'll never understand that. And then the sto- the conversation was done. Mm-hmm. Like he he was like, oh, well, I'll just never understand that. And I was like, okay, but like, could you try? Right. Like uh, to be an ally, it would be cool if you can just acknowledge that it sucks. <laughs> yeah. I just I just want you to listen and acknowledge it. And so it, it I feel like that m- made it easier for me to turn around and be like, okay, I have to listen to people. <laughs> right. Because she makes this point in this article where she says, I too have been called out usually for a prejudice I had against someone or for using insensitive language that didn't keep up with rapidly changing conventions because things are changing quickly and it can be really hard to stay on top of everything. We yeah. should try, but sometimes we don't succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, like, patient elders helped me grow through my discomfort and yeah. appreciate that context, intentions, and nuances matter. Mm-hmm. And so she said, there was a difference between what I felt was true and what were the facts. And it wasn't, she said, this ain't easy and it ain't over. Mm-hmm. And admitting that we're wrong and that we, it. So powerful. Yeah. And it's fucking hard. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging when we've hurt someone, when our intention is always to help, mm-hmm. that is hurtful yeah. to know that you hurt somebody. And so, like, our, uh, our inclination is to double down to protect ourselves and 
but get defensive. Right, exactly. But what we should say is, holy shit, I am so sorry. Yeah, absolutely. How do I do better? I think that's the most powerful thing is to have a moment because your first interact, your first reaction is to just be defensive. Mm-hmm. And I get that because you're like, I don't want to be a bad person. I don't want to have this, you know, I, I don't want this person to think I'm a bad person. But the best thing that you can fucking do is listen to what they have to say to apologize and not get defensive. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so she says, callouts are justified to challenge provocateurs who deliberately hurt others or for powerful people beyond our reach. Effectively criticizing such people is an important tactic for achieving justice. Mm-hmm. But most public shaming is horizontal and done by those who believe they have greater integrity, integrity or more sophisticated analyses. They become the self-appointed guardians of political purity. And that thing, that idea, because the fact of the matter is, is that if we're, if we're punching horizontal, mm-hmm. one day it's going to come back at you. Yeah. You know, we have all fucked up. I have fucked up so many times. I and can't even count. To. Yeah. Yeah. Even though our intentions are always good. But like the intentions, what do they say? Like the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we can't appoint ourselves as better than or incapable of fucking up because mm-hmm. we are all imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. And these call outs, like kind of to get to our point earlier, it makes people fearful of being targeted and so we avoid meaningful conversations yeah exactly and I've been doing that like it honestly scared them I'm so afraid even with people that I love I'm so afraid to say the wrong thing and have that change the perception of me you know what I mean which like I've said before I just think that really holds our society back because there's no way growth takes time and energy and the patience of people who are willing to offer you those things yeah so she offers this really cool um alternative she says uh like sometimes when we think about like shaming people for when they woke up it it like yeah yeah it it enlists others as like a pile on and then Mm. all of a sudden you're overwhelmed so she says and this is a quote we can change this culture calling in is simply a call out done with love some corrections can be made privately others will necessarily be public but done with respect Mm -hmm. it's not tone policing protecting white fragility or covering up abuse it helps avoid the weaponization of suffering that presents constructive healing Mm -hmm. Calling in engages in debates with words and actions of healing and restoration and without the self-indulgence of drama. And we can make productive choices about the terms of the debate. Conflicts about coalition building, supporting candidates or policies are a routine and desirable feature of a pluralistic democracy. Mm-hmm. So like we can all sit down with people theoretically that we don't agree with and work towards solutions because we're all facing these common problems. And if we shut down discourse because mm-hmm. everyone's so afraid to speak, then we are at a standstill. Yep. Yep. And it feels that way. It does feel that way. Yeah. We're all flawed. Mm-hmm. And it's scary. Like, making this podcast is scary. And I get really, truth be told, like, I'm really scared about success. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm sure that I've said things that weren't right. I know that I have. I know that, I, I mean, I look back at my videos now and I'm always like, fuck, can I put this up? Because, like, I want to because there's a lot of good stuff in there. But there's some things that I wouldn't say now. Right. You know, and I don't know if it negates the good that I did, um, you know, but sometimes it feels that way. And I'm like, can I even make jokes about this? Can I even um, I don't know. It, like, is everything lost because of one? Yeah. Is everything lost because of one thing? And, and also, like, I mean, I'm, I'm super afraid of how much people are monitoring other people. Yes. That. Yeah. The that, purity police. Yeah. It's the purity police. It's really it. For me, that is what we give the right wing garbage for and Mm -hmm. we're doing the same fucking thing yes yeah 
you know, like, yes, hold people accountable, but like, don't be a dick about it. Right. Like exactly what she was saying in this article, like you can, it's not letting this stuff slide. It's not saying like, I'm not going to bring this up, but it's, it's maybe just trying to acknowledge that a moment, it does not define a person. Yeah. I don't think people should be afraid to speak out in their society. We're in a really bad moment right now. Um, and we 100% have a white supremacist government that mm-hmm. we should speak out against. Yeah. Um, and we are doing a disservice if we're not actively doing that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, basically, like, saying that Kamala Harris is useless because she was a, a prosecutor mm-hmm. is throwing out all of the good that she's done. Yeah. And, like, everyone who you know, just couldn't get past the fact that Hillary Clinton was Hillary Clinton. Throws yeah. out all of the her qualifications. Like, yeah. we just discard people. I thought this was interesting. Was Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie um, was doing a press conference once. And uh, she was giving a speech and the person who introduced her pronounced her first name wrong. Mm-hmm. Even though they'd gone over how to pronounce it, but he still did it. And it was totally a mistake. She was like, there was no malice behind it. Yeah. But she had told a friend of hers at a dinner party and the the guest, the the person was like inflamed by it, was so angry. And he was like, he should have tried harder. And she was like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I, what did she say? Um, just, she was just like... It, I, she illustrated why people must check for intent and context and be empathetic before rushing to attack other others for their statements they make. Mm-hmm. Because that was like a slip of the tongue, you know? And, and he was probably so nervous to get it wrong that he made it happen. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I've totally done that. Right. Where, and I have too. And yeah. that's the thing is like the fact that somebody got so angered about that. On her behalf without her consent. Yeah. Yeah. And so an experience that we have can also become, inflame somebody else and then like, that guy that misspoke, mm-hmm. that could have totally, he could have gotten totally piled on. Totally. On Twitter and Without trolled and all explaining what shit. happened. Yeah, that he just fucked yeah. up. What she said after that whole scenario, she used that to illustrate what's happening. Um, she said, think of people as people, not as abstractions who have to conform to bloodless logic, but as people, fragile, imperfect, with prides that can be wounded and hearts that can be touched. Literature is my religion. I have learned from literature that we humans are flawed. All of us are flawed. But even while we are flawed, we are capable of enduring goodness. So hopefully we communicated this well. And I'm actually, ironically, really nervous (laughs) about this episode. And what if we did it wrong? (sighs) So it continues. Anyway, we'd really love to hear your thoughts. Some nice, positive... Uh, <laughs> feedback. feedback like not positive not like oh you guys are so awesome but like constructive criticism if you have it yeah is always welcome we've lost um critiques because they're in the face of learning it's not like you did this thing wrong and you're done exactly so constructive criticism welcome yeah another day on tinder tinder another day on tinder tinder on tinder if two people swipe right it's a snatch it's a snatch match and we're joined by miriam for our final segment and we're going to talk about tinder and online dating um, so what do you swipe left on? What do I... S- oh, right. Swipe left. Like immediate swipe lefts. Um, if you have like a ton of like chicks in your picture, okay. I feel like you're going about this the wrong way and <laughs> therefore I don't do it. Um, uh, this one was weird the other day. It was like a relatively good looking dude and like there was like a couple of nice uh, 
comments you know like whatever like these are the things i like or dislike mm -hmm. and then he had liberal listed in his profile but but he had a picture like a caption one of his pictures was like just giving my like bro here a, a compliment or something on his shirt no homo and i was just like oh, oh nope bye like what's wrong with you bye. like <laughs> yeah that's that's a definite next way yeah like stupid shit like that or uh yeah i feel like there's i have a few things i'm trying to think of what the others are i feel are. like if i were to online date one of mine would for sure be people holding babies yeah Stop if it's holding not other people's if babies. it's not your fucking baby you're using that yeah i don't yeah that stuff doesn't mind me or like the animals and babies don't really bug me um as long as they're animals. like as long as they're like this is not my baby yeah, it's just it feel for me. It feels like they're using it because it's cute. Yeah. Oh, they are. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, look, I can hold a baby. Look how cute I am holding this. Baby. I think that's yeah. usually the thing. It's like I like kids. Here's my shameless yeah. plug. Yeah, you want me to put one in you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah, kind of yeah. like I just want to like know what you look like. That also annoys me. Like when people do, um, I don't know, like a bunch of like half face pictures or oh, okay. something this like that thing. or sunglasses i'm thing. like i want to see what you look like right so this is the thing dudes do all the time and i feel like women do not have the luxury of doing this right. dudes can pick put up like fucked Shitty up pictures, pictures of themselves like look at me i'm such a jackass this is the time i played edward 40 hands yeah. like all this kind of stuff or like eyes closed sunglasses yeah. not like pictures of like they've clearly cropped the picture wrong and their head's not in it yeah like i'm like if you can't figure out how to put a basic decent picture up of right. yourself like how can I, like, I trust you to, to take me out on a good date right or like <laughs> how like I, you're trying to prove that you're funny yeah and like you're really just making it so that i have no like i don't have time for this yeah, yeah. if you don't have time to take this at least seriously enough then i don't have time to meet up with you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. bye yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, the, the front of it should be simple. Like, you're interesting, and I like how you look, you yeah. know? Because um, yeah. that's what you're looking for in me. I'm not even sure you're looking to see if I'm interesting. Right. You're, like, looking at my pictures to first. See if you're attracted to me. Yeah, and I get it. That's, like, a base thing for, mm -hmm. you know, human nature. That's yeah. fine. Um, so, like... Well, what's the point? I mean, you like, don't know these people, so, like, you have to be, like, yeah, you're attractive first, right, and then, yeah. like, now let's see if you're interesting. Yeah. Right. So, like, lead with that. Don't, like, lead with, like, here are all the girls who think I'm awesome, or, like, I don't... There's just oh, a bunch Oh, like, the of mom reviews. You get a lot of mom reviews. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm God's gift. Or, like, people who put their height in centimeters, because they're like, I hear this is important. I'm like, yeah, we... Like, just put your height, you know? Yeah. Right. It, just put your height. Like, I get it, but, like... People are like annoyed that they have to put it or something, or they're like, I hear that this is important. I see that so often, and I'm like, just put the hype, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, different apps like do it different ways. Yeah, on Tinder, it's I like, like the that. ones that ask you to just just do like it. give your basic right, and so I find which I guess is weird that we have to do that. But I mean, if you no. walked into a bar, you would be you don't like no you don't know who people are. You walk in and right. like you're still looking you're for like still a base attraction, sizing them up. You're yeah. like, how tall are you? Yeah. You know, do you look like a person that I want to hang out with? Right. Um, it's the same thing. Sunglasses. I, just from the safety of your own couch. <laughs> right. Also, I, if you have like five pictures of you and your boys and I don't know who you, which are, one you are. Right. I'm the one on the left, the other left, yeah. your left, my left. <laughs> um I the height thing is really interesting because so far in my research, um, I have discovered <laughs> in, my studies. in my studies um, 
I've had really some really fun fun dates. Yeah. Um, in my studies, I have realized that if you are s- over six feet tall, mm-hmm. you do not feel compelled to lie. If you are under six feet tall, you feel compelled to lie as yeah. a man. And I feel for you. Like, I get it. I do. Because that sucks that they feel uh, there is an issue with that. Oh, you feel insecure about some part of your body and you've been made made to feel (laughs) awkward by and judged by women? (laughs) Weird. (laughs) That never happens to us. Right? Good thing I don't have to put my bra size on there. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) No. Seriously. No. Thank you. Yeah, and I feel like they complain about the same thing that they do, where they're like, well, let's show your body. Then, like, don't fucking show your, just your head. What the hell? Like, Right. Yeah. I want to know what I'm going out with. Right. Um, but I, with the height thing, I'm like, I have eyes. Like, if I if this gets to a point where I actually meet you, I'm going to find out that, like, you're not six feet tall. And I get yeah. that you're trying to get in the door. But, like. But you're getting in the door with a lie. And so, right. like, that's going to make me less inclined to trust you and or ever go on another date with you. Yeah. yeah. Some guy asked me the other day. He was like, what's the difference between 5'11 and 6 feet tall? And I was like, an inch? What's what's the question? Mm. Like. Yeah. And he he was basically saying. I, it seemed like he was trying to say, like, you know, kind of like, what's the big deal? Why do people care? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care about that inch. I care about the lie. Yeah. 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 You, so you did the Tinder and it scared you. <laughs> I did the Tinder for 24 hours, maybe 36, and it scared me. And it, uh, it was just like so blatantly different mm-hmm. from uh, the other app that I experienced so far, which is Hinge. Mm-hmm. I guess I did try to do OkCupid for like a hot second, but mm-hmm. I was in the beginning stages of trying to online date. So I panicked and just like I made my whole profile and then I shut it down like okay. immediately. Well, they ask you a lot of questions. They do. Really and I intense. was like not ready to answer those yeah. questions. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what color my dreams are? Like, oh, it was really weird. <laughs> but, um, the Tinder... Uh, just like people said just weird vile stuff just like right out of the gate out of the gate just like just dick pics out of the gate man i didn't get dick pics but it was just like like professional taco eater like all that kind of stuff and you're like first of all like no way because like i once uh came in second place in an actual taco eating contest so like (laughs) like fuck fuck right off (laughs) yeah like did you really eat 19 beef tacos Um, because I did (laughs) but no this guy I was like having a nice conversation with him and it was like plenty nice like nothing offensive no professional taco eating or like threatening to show me dick pics or anything like that and then the very end he was like yeah I just figure when I'm really ready for something serious I'll go on hinge and I was like my my, I was literally just like okay bye (laughs) (laughs) okay bye then and then after that I shut my tinder down because I like couldn't handle the panic yeah went back on hinge I was told by somebody like a while back because I've never online dated before, which is, I feel like I'm like the only one in the world. I thought I was the only I'm one. scared of it. But now it's you. Yeah, yeah. it's just me alone, <laughs> alone over here on my island. But um, my friend was telling me, she was like, yeah, I love Tinder because I get to just do what I always want, which is be totally superficial. And I was like, wow, Whoa. I super don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how I want to date at yeah. all. I remember talking to this guy on Tinder a while back and he got so needy off the bat that I didn't understand. Like I was at work and he was like, I said, good night. And I was like, okay, good night. Yeah. Like I don't, (laughs) 
I was like, dude, I'm at work. Like, I don't know what you want from me. And he was like, well, I just like wanted a little bit of attention. I was like, I have not met you. Yeah. I do not know you. And he, and then when I was like, you know what? I just, I was like, honestly, and I had gotten out of something. So I was like, honestly, I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. I'm really sorry. You seem totally nice, which was more than he deserved because he didn't deserve anything. And he was like, he was like, what the hell or something like that. And then he was like, he he got disappointed. And then he just shot me a dick pic. And I was like, Does it have a little angry face with, it, like, <laughs> with your little like slanty just, eyebrows, just you know, pouty like, mouth. Dick. Yeah. And I still, to this day, I'm like, wait a second, was that a hail mary or was that just you, like, mad? <laughs> right. Like, I don't. But have you, you seen these nads? Hey. Yeah. Once <laughs> to see this penis, you're never like you, you can't leave me. Like, what? Oh, oh man, so crazy. I'm gonna yeah. do that though. But like, I'm gonna like create a tiny profile. Tiny profile. <laughs> I love dicks. And then when like a guy does something super shitty, I'm going to send him a dick pic. That's really? Oh my God. Well, like, I but it's going to have those anti eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> this is my angry dick. Angry Just dick. a little emoji over angry the penis. Dick says, fuck off. <laughs> that's, the, that's the handle. Mm-hmm. I used to send Doug uh pictures of uh micro penises whenever he went on a date every was time it? he went on a date every i would time. send it to him no, i would send it? him a slew of them so that they would show up on his phone he had to change his settings like, if they didn't do, do, do. show up <laughs> thanks for listening to welcome to my vagina it's time for us to slide on out of here <laughs> you can find us on instagram at welcome to my vagina on twitter at welcome to my vag soon to be on medium you can donate to us at Patreon, LiberaPay, PayPal, and uh, Venmo at Welcome to My Vagina. Yeah, become a monthly subscriber. Yeah, yeah, go to welcometomyvagina.com and become a subscriber to our newsletter as mm-hmm. well. You can email us at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com. We like questions and fan art and jingles. And suggestions for future episodes. True. Check out Jesse's awesome videos at on YouTube. Just search for Welcome to My Vagina. Check out Rebecca's awesome writing at franklyrebecca.com. Please also remember that our amazing intro was done by Elise and Willie. If you want to hire Willie to do some videos for you or art or jingles, you can find him at Wooly Willie. That's W-O-O-L-L-Y-W-I-L-L-I-E. And his Etsy shop is Wooly's Studio. And head on over to morebanana.com to check out all of the awesome projects by our production company. Yeah. And thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate, for being our amazing, dope-ass fucking producer. (laughs) Cool. So as some of you know, we've had a lot of problems with Patreon right now, making us unsearchable and censoring us because apparently an illustration of an anatomically correct vagina is soups offensive. Anyway, um... (laughs) We have moved over to Glow um, if you'd like to donate to us, which we would obviously very much appreciate um, so we can bring you more content and more fun stuff. Um, You can donate to us at glow.fm and just type in welcome to my vagina.